Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have a weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. When you hear the word cult, a few heavy hitters come to mind. And on August 9, 1969, one of these cults committed a mass murder at the command of their leader, Charles Manson. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Charles Manson, by the late 1960s, had accumulated a group of followers of about 100 people. These members were habitual users of hallucinogenic drugs, mostly women from middle-class backgrounds, drawn to the hippie culture and communal living, and believed that Charles Manson was the manifestation of Jesus Christ. He taught his followers that they were all reincarnations of the original Christians and prophesied of an impending race war. The catalyst of the mass murder that would take place in August of 1969 actually started in the spring of 1968, when Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys picked up two hitchhiking Manson women. This started a strange relationship between Wilson and Manson in which Manson and his family would party at the musician's home at all hours, even living there for a while. Wilson also paid to record some of the songs written and performed by Manson. This is when he was introduced to Terry Melcher, whose home he would send his family members to invade in 1969. Wilson's manager eventually evicted the family from his home, and they moved to an old abandoned western movie lot that they dubbed The Ranch. 
Around this time, Manson heard the recently released White Album by the Beatles and had become obsessed with the group and what he perceived as their hidden message about racial tensions and war. Manson adopted the term helter-skelter to describe the impending apocalypse and told the family how he and the Beatles had predicted it. While planning for this apocalypse, they also began writing their own world-changing album that would trigger the predicted chaos of the racially charged murders. They were told that Terry Melcher would come hear the album and help them record and produce it, but he never showed. Charles Manson, in March of 1969, went to Melcher's residence to find that he had rented it out to Roman Polanski and his wife, Sharon Tate. In May, Melcher came to the ranch to hear the family sing. He even arranged to bring a friend with a mobile recording unit, but did not record the group. Terry Melcher was standing between Manson and his race war, and he was not happy about it. On the night of August 8th, he sent Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Caspian, and Patricia Krinwinkle to the house Melcher used to live in and, quote, totally destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can. They pulled into the driveway, cut the phone line, and headed to the house. They were met by 18-year-old student Stephen Parent, who had been visiting the property's caretaker. Watson, despite being begged by the teen not to hurt him, lunged at him with a knife before shooting him in the chest and abdomen four times. Wojcik Fakowski, screenwriter and lover of Abigail Folger, was sleeping on the couch when he woke up upon hearing whispering. Watson kicked him in the head and claimed, I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's business. The women gathered everyone else in the house into the living room and began tying them up. Sharon Tate, movie actress and model, who was also eight and a half months pregnant, was tied to Jay Sebring, noted hairstylist. Sebring begged them to handle Tate with care due to her pregnancy, which prompted Watson to shoot him and later stab him seven times. Abigail Folger, heir to the coffee company, tried to escape before Krenwinkle caught up to her and stabbed her, and then Watson killed her by stabbing her 28 times. Frykowski attempted to escape, struggling with Atkins before she stabbed him in the legs with a knife. Watson caught up with him and struck him over the head with the gun multiple times, so hard that the grip broke, then stabbed him and shot him twice. Tate who pleaded to be held hostage just long enough so she could have her baby, was stabbed 16 times by Atkins and Watson. Manson, in an attempt to scare the public and start his war, told the women to leave something witchy as a sign. They wrote pig on the front door in Frykowski's blood. Manson told the family that Helter Skelter had begun. The next night, four members from the previous murder and two more went on to murder Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. According to Manson, he was displeased by the panic of the Tate murders and wanted a redo. The couple was woken up, tied up, pillowcases put over their heads, and then stabbed with a bayonet. This time he made sure each woman played her part in the stabbing of the victims. They then carved the word war into Leno's abdomen and wrote rise on the refrigerator door. On August 16th, the ranch was raided and Manson and 25 family members were arrested for suspicion of an auto theft ring. Eventually, they were connected to the Tate murders and then the LaBiancas as well. The bizarre trial took place on June 15th, 1970, and was filled with strange conduct and cult followings. 
At some point, Manson even leaped across the table and attempted to attack the judge. And of course, there's the infinite carving of the swastika on his forehead. Eventually, on January 25th, 1971, the jury returned guilty verdicts against the four defendants and each of the 27 separate counts against them. All received death sentences, which were eventually reduced to life after the death penalty was abolished. Charles Manson died of a heart attack and complications from colon cancer on November 19th, 2017. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.